Good morning again, everyone. You see, I have a ladder up on the stage. That was not left over by the school. That is here on purpose. Uh, I am excited about preaching this message uh, out of the Word of God. Uh, I was tempted to name the title of the sermon, Be a Good Empire, Not a Vampire. You'll get the reference later. Just because... I am about to preach a very impolitically correct message. And you all said, woohoo! Because the world has this concept of Christians, and then the Bible has another concept for Christians. In fact, the whole Sermon on the Mount is pitting the world's way of self righteousness and hypocrisy and being a poser and being fake. Versus being a real child of the king, really living in the kingdom, really being transformed. And so today we're going to tackle Matthew chapter 7 verses 1 through 6. We're going to get there, but I'll tell you why this passage is so misunderstood, because of context. Say the word with me, context. Let me give you an example. All you were to read was the mother threw her child out of the second story window. Now you have no idea how to interpret that. If you found out the context was that she was on drugs, how would we receive that? We'd be horrified that the mother threw the child out and we would condemn that, right? But if we found out the context was that there was a fire and the only way to save her child was to toss her child from the second story window, we would think she did the right thing, right? Context means everything. And so it means that in this context, I mean in this passage. So before we get there, let me just give you a little preview of what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about judging. Yeah. We're going to read. How many of you saw the the cartoon on the bulletin. You know, here's this guy, judge not lest you be judged. And he's pointing his finger at the judge, which is funny because what does a judge do? He judges. I mean, that's, and so, well, that's why this is funny and that's why we have to spend enough time to unpack these seven verses. First of all, to judge, the word that's actually in the text, and this is important, it's spelled K-R-I-N-O, crino. And it means to render a legal judgment. It means to basically separate, choose, select, or determine. And it has a dozen of shades of meaning depending on, what's that word? Context. And so that's why it's so important. Now, the whole Sermon on the Mount contrasts the Pharisee's self-righteousness and hypocrisy. Jesus said, you've heard it said this way, I say unto you. You see this, I say unto you. And, no, and, and so, um, this prop is going to help me define what self-righteousness is. Alright, are you ready? You know what I've just done? I have elevated myself above you. That's what self-righteousness does. I'm better than you. I keep my list of rules, whatever the list of rules are. It could even be God's rules. I keep 
the rule book better than you. Therefore, I am elevating myself. Now, what happens when I elevate myself? What naturally happens to you? You're beneath me, right? I'm superior, inferior. That's what self-righteousness is all about. It is elevating yourself and then condemning others. That's this word condemnation or condemning or rendering a legal judgment. And so, the latter principle, self-righteousness is when anyone elevates himself by his own moral superiority, everyone else is lowered accordingly in his eyes. I'm better than you because I'm up on the stage. I'm already three steps better than you. And I get on my ladder and I'm even better than you. Now, let's go to the text and unpack it. You're in your Bibles. You're in Matthew chapter 7. Six little verses all about judging. Let's get the right context. And I'll begin reading. Judge not that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck, or the twig is a better rendition, that is in your brother's eye, a splinter, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Here's the very first fill in the blank. There's going to be on your outline three don'ts. Don't play. And the first one is this. Don't play God. The context that Jesus is speaking is referring to judgment of motives, which no human being can know your motive, your motive, your motive. You can't know that. And it's about holding people to your standard, not God's standard. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. And it's interesting that the word for discernment is a little different word than crino. It's diacrino. It means to thoroughly uh, uh, to uh, judge or to have discernment. So Jesus is telling us not to render a legal decision on someone's motive, and he's not saying throw your brain out. Does that make sense? (laughs) Because we're going to get into this impolitically correct world of ours in a minute. In other words, it's this way. If you're shucking corn, how many of you have had to shuck corn? You know what I mean by shucking corn? Pat, have you ever had to shuck corn? Okay, even when you buy corn at the store, do you not pull back a little of and see if it's wormy or see if the kernels are gone? What are you doing? Aren't you judging that corn? Yeah, you are, but that's a good kind of judging. You are using discernment by looking at what is obvious that is out there. Facts, not conjecture, facts. And you shuck corn. When you pick uh, peaches or avocados, how many of you squeeze them? Right? You are diacrino. You are judging. 
but that's the kind of judging that means you have a brain and you're using it and you're using wise discernment. The other kind of judging is to buy a watermelon and you tell that the watermelon is sweet or sour and you don't even open it up. You've already made a judgment on it. That is judging without facts. That's judging on feelings. Well, I think that watermelon's sweet. Well, how do you know? You don't know if a watermelon's sweet until you do what? You have to taste that. So what Jesus is forbidding, and I'm going to use that strong word, forbidding, is self-righteous, unmerciful, prejudiced, and unwarranted condemnation. Somebody's pointing the finger at you. Based on human standards, your opinion is not gospel. (laughs) Do something really bold. Turn to your neighbor and say, your opinion is not gospel. (laughs) Your opinion is not gospel. You can't judge based on your opinion and especially on your understanding. You have no idea what another person's gone through. No human being has walked in the other shoes of another human being. You don't know if that person's been abused. You don't know if that person has just lost a loved one. You don't know. You just don't know. And if somebody comes in snarky, anybody come in snarky into your house before? They come in snarky, you could throw them under the bus, be critical, and condemn them in your your heart. How dare you? You have no idea how they have walked today. And so Jesus is saying, you know, if you're a part of the kingdom, you're not a condemner, you're a grace giver. Tammy talked about giving grace, right? And we are to give grace. You have no idea what another person has gone through. So he's not forbidding discernment, calling strikes, strikes, and balls, balls. But to judge another person's motives or to curse, to condemn them, that's playing God. That's why the whole, the first point is don't play God. You can't read their heart. You don't know their motives. You don't know what's going on in their life. Be a little bit of a grace giver. When somebody condemns another with no mercy because they're not walking the way we think they should walk, We've elevated ourselves to God's level, and God's going to say, oh, that's the way you want to be judged? I'll get to judge you that way. Jesus, again, is not commanding people to stop being discerning and making judgment calls on people's behaviors. Let me be clear about this. If a person robs a bank, and he robs another bank, and he robs another bank, To say that he's not a bank robber is what? It's dishonest, isn't it? Actions can be seen and examined. Hearts and motives never can. Hearts and motives never can. And since only God knows a person's heart and he knows all the facts, then we have to let God be God and we have to not try to play God. God has no double standards. And having a critical spirit and condemning and judging unmercifully, we play God and we give the impression to at least ourselves that we're better. We're better. We're better. 
To be judgmental and have a critical spirit is to live under that false illusion. So, if you're going to judge people's hearts and motives based on your imperfectedness, imperfectness, yes, that same bias is going to be used on you. That's just a bad boomerang. It's going to come back and haunt you. If you go around with a critical spirit, that's what you're telling God. God, I want you to use a critical spirit on me. Forget my upbringing. Forget how I was trained. Forget all of that because I forgot it about everybody else that I've condemned. I condemn people at work. I condemn people on the roadway. I condemn people in my family. I condemn, I condemn, I condemn, I condemn. And God says, that's the way you want to be judged? We'll use that same critical spirit. And then you think, oh, I don't want that. Because God is all-knowing. God is perfect. Let's God be God and let's stop playing God. Second, go back to the text, verse 3, it says this, why do you see the, the speck or twig that is in your brother's eye but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. There's a lot of funny cartoons on this. But here's the fill in the blank. You don't play God, don't play doctor. Don't play doctor. And what I mean is, uh, Tammy and I, um, Heather, we'd like to take you out to lunch today and we're going to tell you what's wrong with you. Okay? Uh, We're going to condemn you. Uh, we're going to tell you all your faults, all your failures, all the things that we think you do bad. How many of you think that we're going to try to fix Heather like a doctor? Yeah, that's what we're... Now, Heather, we're not going to do that. Isn't that good news? I'm not going to play doctor and fix you by condemning you. Don't you feel better now that we've gone to lunch and I told you everything that I think is wrong with you? Do you ever notice, and I know this is an old illustration, but it's so good, and it's this one. You've heard it. You've seen it. What is it? When you're pointing your finger at someone, how many fingers are pointing back at you? How many? Three. You're pointing the finger at someone and their failures and what's happening, you got three coming back at you. In fact, they say that you're usually toughest on the people that you see your biggest flaw that you have in them, and so you attack it. You don't change your behavior, but you attack them. See, self-righteousness is, is terribly blinding. It's a blinding sin. A self-righteous person believes they're lofty enough to decide what is right and wrong and determine who is doing right and wrong. And self-righteous people then become the lawgiver. They become the police with their critical spirit. They're going to find the person that they think is in the wrong, and then they get to play judge. They're going to condemn them. Only God can judge the thoughts and motives and actions righteously. And if you think you can, you've just gotten back up on your ladder. You're better than everybody else when you're not. Go back to the text for a moment. This, he says in verse 3, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye but do not notice? That word notice means that you stop 
and you really examine something. It's like you're walking along the road and you see some interesting bug or lizard or grasshopper and you want to take a look at it. So you actually stop and you bend over and you're just really examining it. That's the context or, or the, the, the nuance of that word. Jesus says when you truly take the time and evaluate your sin your imperfections, now you can move on. Uh, In other words, Jesus is saying, will you not stop and think about your own sin? And when you've done that, now you're ready to help a brother or sister out. See, there's a big difference between being on trial for a crime and going to a friend for counsel. Am I right? There's a big, big difference of being trying to be found condemned by trial or if you need some help and you go to see a friend for some counsel. See, a counselor leads someone to self-discovery so that they understand, I got a problem and I'd like to have it worked on. You cannot change somebody until they've decided that they want to change. Did you know that? And once they figure that out, And so a counselor leads somebody to the truth, but a judge leads somebody to a conviction, condemnation, prison term. Are you with me on this? Nod your head if you're with me on this. Okay. All right. Because here's the next slide. A fault finder is judgmental. And a grace giver is the one who is a counselor. He doesn't say, take the the log out of your own eye and forget the other person. What does Jesus say? He says, once you've dealt with your sin, now you're in a position to go counsel someone else. Not to condemn them, but to help them in their walk. And as a counselor, did you notice in the text, he says... Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye? Brother means you're equal. None of this. All right, Heather. I'm above you. I'm superior to you. And I'm going to tell you, uh, again, we go back to playing doctor. We're not supposed to be playing doctor. We're supposed to be giving wise counsel so that she can lead, be led to the truth and self-discovery. In fact, it says in Galatians, Brother, if any man is caught in any sin, you who are spiritual, the one that has closely examined his own life or her life, help restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, lest you too be tempted. All confrontation of sin must be done out of gentleness and and meekness and love and not pride. So we can't play the role of judge as if we're God. We can't play the role of I'm better than you as if we're not accountable to the same standards. And we must not play the hypocrite, blaming others while we excuse ourselves. So don't play God. Don't play doctor. Be a good counselor. And here's the third. Fill in the blank. Don't play politics. Be impolitically correct. There, now here's where I'm getting the, the, that, that, that thought. Out of the world today, 
the world has been taught that Christians cannot judge. Can't call a ball a ball and a strike a strike. And that's not anything what Jesus is saying. But the world quotes this verse, judge lest you be judged. What do you mean I can't sleep around town? What do you mean I can't? You can't judge me. It's like, Jesus said it. Wait, what's the context? Worldly teaching out there is we should never evaluate or criticize anything for anyone. Isn't that what the world says? Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. I can do whatever I want. We're all supposed to hold hands and sing Kumbaya and watch evil people do evil things, right? That's what the verse means? Is that what the verse means? No. It doesn't mean that we're supposed to hold hands and sing Kumbaya and watch our children go off a path of of wickedness and do nothing about it. Or to have a neighbor or a friend start an affair and never go confront them. See, there's two spectrums to this. It really is booked in. Don't play God. Don't play doctor. Don't play politics. Don't play God over here. Don't be self-righteous. Don't do it. And over here, don't play, don't be politically, in, or politically correct. And that is, well, let's just get rid of all, all rules. Let's get rid of all morality. Let's just get rid of everything. So there's a difference between condemning a person, but Jesus is saying, boy, you better have discernment in this world. You better have discernment in this world. Because believers must be discerning to make proper judgment when it's required. Maybe we should put it in a baseball terms. An umpire umpire calls balls, balls, and strikes, strikes, but doesn't decide the outcome of the game. Does that make sense? but he's not coming with a final verdict of who wins the game. Because notice that to obey Jesus' command, it's necessary to determine who are dogs and who are swine. He says, don't throw pearls to dogs and swine. Well, how do you know who's a dog and who's a swine unless you make discernments, unless you judge actions, not motives. Actions are to be judged. Jesus said this, you will know them by their fruit. So we can be fruit inspectors, but we're not going to determine their motives. So this, that's why it's such a fine line of being a grace giver at the same time that you're not usurping God's role. See, God's offer of grace is holy. Let's go back to the text. And it's, he says this, Verse 6, do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. God's offer of grace is, is holy. It cost him his son. God's offer of forgiveness is a pearl of great price. Forgiveness and repentance are on the same, sided, uh, are on the same priceless coin. Politics is all about compromising. And here's the next. Compromise means lowering God's standard to fit the culture. is to throw your pearls before swine. Lowering God's standards, His definition of grace and forgiveness and repentance to fit the culture is throwing your pearls before swine. Why? Because that's inappropriate grace. 
what? There's such a thing as inappropriate grace? Yeah, look at inappropriate grace is bringing God's standard of holiness and righteousness, bringing it down by allowing an attitude of anything goes because we've all been told not to judge. Oh, you mean I can just go live my life any way I want to and, no, and nobody can correct me? Nobody can, can help me? Oh, no. I don't need God's holy grace because I didn't do anything wrong. Do you know we're so afraid of confrontation and we're so afraid of being in politically correct that we excuse behavior in the name of inappropriate grace? Oh, you're sleeping around? It's okay. Oh, you're stealing from your business? Oh, it's okay. Oh, you, do you see how we can't turn a blind eye? Because what do we do to God's grace if we allow anything to happen without any form of accountability or repentance? Let me say it this way. What's the next slide say? Giving something holy to dogs is like giving grace to someone who is in rebellion. Let me give you a perfect example. You're at the store. Your child is having a meltdown. Meltdown on aisle seven. Meltdown on on aisle in the fruit section. Meltdown at the cash register. And then you get out to check out and they want a candy bar. And you're like, oh, it's okay. I'm going to give you grace for the way you acted today. And their little heart is still... That's inappropriate grace, isn't it? Can you see that? That when, Because what happens is, is when we give inappropriate grace, we begin to enable people to stay in their sin. And that's not grace at all. That means that you've taken this priceless cross... And, and, and this offer of forgiveness and you've thrown it on the ground because you desire nobody to change their behavior. In fact, in Hebrews it says this, whoa. In fact, let me just read it to you. It says, the same, this word trample is only used two or three times in the New Testament. He says this, if we go on sitting deliberately after receiving the knowledge of truth, that pearl there remains no longer a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment. And then he goes on and he says, how much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the ones who have trampled underfoot the Son of God? Because they want the grace, but they're not going to change their life. So if you enable your child by having inappropriate grace... In time, your child's going to turn on you. Your child's going to turn on you and trample you underfoot. Giving something holy to dogs is like giving grace to someone who is in rebellion. Inappropriate grace only emboldens them to continue to sin. Have you ever known an alcoholic couple? One of them is an alcoholic and one is the enabler. And what happens? The alcoholic continues to be an alcoholic because he or she has an enabler. And what happens? They get along. They live in marriage for a few years. And then one of them finally wakes up and says, I'm going to stop enabling my alcoholic partner. And then what happens? Oh, all heck breaks loose in the relationship. Why? Because of this. You can't 
enable someone to stay in their sin when you know it's wrong, thinking that I'm just giving them grace. Ryan, you're sleeping around on Ileana. This isn't true for those listening online. And so I'm just going to give you grace. No, what am I going to do? I'm going to take Mitch. I'm going to take Bob. I'm going to take Lawrence. And guess what? We're going to have a come to Jesus meeting with Ryan, aren't we? And we're going to do it compassionately in love and saying you need to... We're not just going to say, oh, guess what? Ryan and Ileana are here today. Last week, Ryan brought his girlfriend. With, is, there are churches that do this. Because we're all going to hold hands and sing Kumbaya. And anybody can live any way they want to. And we're not trampling under the cross. No, Jesus said, be a grace giver. Be a grace, but don't be an enabler. Don't enable somebody to stay in their sin. So we go from don't be judgy, but don't throw out the rule book. And if you're going to fix somebody, you do it not as somebody that's condemning them, but as a friend who's a counselor. Do you see how beautiful this passage is when you take it in its complete context? It gives you the freedom to call a, a ball a ball and a strike a strike. And yet at the same time, you're not going to be critical of the people around you. Uh, it's just beautiful. It's just beautiful. I had one other illustration in it. It's about um, Eli. Uh, the prophet or the judge Eli had some sons that were just wicked. And he never confronted them. And he was just, oh, I'm just going to give them grace. I'm just going to get them grace. And guess what God finally had to do? He just killed his boys. And then Eli dies and the Ark of the Covenant is stolen from Israel. And we, I don't know if we ever saw it again. I don't know if we ever got it back. Yeah, we did because David got it back. So, but the point of the matter is this, is that be a grace giver. You can be graceful to your children, amen? But if you see that they're constantly in rebellion, what do you need to do? You, stop pulling, you pull back that grace and you start bringing some law, right? You need to train their little hearts, just like God is training our little hearts. If you don't believe me, there are many passages in the Bible, and I, I say that, you know, knowing that you believe me. But in Matthew 18, it says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him. You don't just, oh, we're going to sweep it under the rug if he keeps sinning. If, he keeps sin- if I keep stealing the same $5, was I, did I steal $5 from you, Lawrence, once in, in a sermon? I just keep stealing $5. When are you going to confront me on it? Suddenly, you're going to confront me and say, Rob, every time you come over to my house, you know where my wallet's at, and you take $5. What's up with that? And I'm like, Hey, just give me grace. Just give me grace. What are you going to do? He's going to go and get Mitch and Ryan, and then you three of you are going to talk to me and say, Rob, you have a problem. We're not judging your heart, but we're judging your actions. You keep stealing from Lawrence every time you go into his house. Hey, man, just give me grace. I just want grace. When does repentance come in? And if repentance never comes in, you are trampling You are trampling pearls and throwing what's holy to the dogs. Or how how about in Romans? He says, I appeal to you, brothers, watch out for those that... 
You mean I'm supposed to watch out for those that are causing divisions? Aren't I supposed to just hold hands and sing Kumbaya? I know I keep referring to that because that's what the world says Christians are to do. But Christians are to be warrior-like when it comes to God's Word and His pearls. We sang about the cross and how He laid His life down for us. Do you know how incredibly valuable that is? Much more valuable than a pearl, and yet we're supposed to let it get trampled by allowing anybody to live any way they want if they call themselves a believer in Christ? Or Corinthians says this, I wrote to you not to hang out with sexually immoral people, but I wasn't talking about the people of the world. I'm talking about the people in church. If the people in church are sexually immoral, you go to them and you call them out. Are you judging? Yes, you are. In the correct way with discernment and love so that the brother can be corrected. Not judging them. So there's this tension. Can you feel it? There's this tension here of not reading people's minds, not judging them, condemning them, but at the same time being a grace giver without enabling them to stay in what you know may be sinful behavior. But it starts with you. Did you know that? It starts with you. Jesus, go back to the text and we'll end with this. He says, take the log out of your own eye Take yourself off the ladder. Examine your heart in light of my word. And once we're good here, now you will be able to see clearly to help someone else that is struggling. Do you want each other to be successful? Yes. We want everybody to be successful. And that means understanding, judge not lest you be judged. And the measure you use, it will be used against you. Don't play God. Don't play doctor. Don't play politics. Be a grace giver. Leave your critical spirit at home. And don't enable people. Father God, in the name